Welcome to the Anchor Church Podcast. We are so glad you're here. For more content and upcoming events, visit anchorchurchcsra.com. As a church, we want to be found by God doing five specific acts. And so we're just going to go through these together. We're going to really talk about worship tonight. And hopefully, you learn a couple things before you walk out of here. First of all, why, why we worship. And then when we say worship, what do we mean? What, if, what is God actually calling us to do? Let me start with this premise, that every one of you in the room tonight, every one of us, were made to worship. We were. God designed you as a worship being. And that does distinguish us from animals in a way. You could say the bird's worshiping if you want to, but uh, you know it's more so just chirping because that's what a bird does. A duck quacks, a, a cow moos. Um, that's that's not really worship. Uh, it's just uh, you know the cow goes moo. It's like the kid thing that we all learned. But we are wired to worship, and we all will worship someone or something. We say it like this around Anchor Church: Everyone needs an anchor. And everyone really has an anchor that they've already anchored themselves to. We want that anchor for every one of you to be Jesus. We want every one of you to worship the one true God. That's our heart for you. And we realize that we're all on our different journeys. We're in different spots of our spiritual journey. And you may be in one place and you may be in another place. And we all come together tonight to rally around what does God say in his word and how can we respond to it? And so let's go ahead and talk about five distinct ways tonight, remember there are five, that really relate to worship, and the Bible teaches us about worship. And here's what we learned first, ready? Write this down. We can thank the Lord for who he is and what he has done. Or if you want to phrase it this way, we thank God for his character and his actions. And it's so much about who the Lord is. We see this in the scriptures. Let's get into 1 Chronicles 16. I told you we were headed there. We're going to go all the way to verse 34 and 35. The verses will be on the screen as well. And here's what God's word says. Ready? Here we go. Give thanks to the Lord. Pretty simple, right? Give thanks to the Lord. Everybody tracking with me. You probably have heard this before. We should give him thanks. Why? For he is good. So the rationale for why we give Worship to God. We give thanksgiving and gratitude. Don't miss this tonight. The foundation for our worship is gratitude. If you're not thankful, you won't worship. That's just the way it is. And when I think about what God has done for me, for Brandon, when I think about how he's changed my life, I can't help but worship him. I can't help it. He's done so much for me. He's changed me. He has absolutely flipped my life upside down, brought me to the end of myself, saved me, redeemed me, the same things that he did for Kavai. And Kavai has recently accepted the Lord, and he's going to continue to change your life, buddy, just like he changed mine and just like he's changed a lot of other lives in this room. Can anyone else testify that you cannot help but worship when you think about maybe it's where God's brought you from. Maybe it's where he's brought you to. So give thanks to the Lord. If you don't do anything else tonight, pause for a second and tell God thank you for something. Just tell him. And you can start out your day like this. If if sometimes you go to pray and you're not sure what to pray, if prayer is not that spiritual discipline that you have down yet, down pat, it's not something you do all the time, maybe just start there. And I love this, um, just writing it out sometimes. 
So we give thanks to the Lord for he is good. What else? His faithful love endures forever. Absolutely loaded. We're going to keep reading our verse here. And say, save us, God, of our salvation. Gather us and rescue us from the nation so that we may give thanks to your holy name and rejoice in your praise. So we see here God's key characteristic. Yes, God is love. Yes, God is just. He's merciful. But the number one characteristic of God in the Bible is his holiness. That relates to his goodness. And let me share something with you. If God is not holy and not good, then he's not trustworthy. Then he's not faithful. It begins with his holiness. This means that God is morally perfect. He doesn't mess up like we do. He's not going to let you down. His faithful love, the Jesus Storybook Bible puts it like this. For kids, his never stopping, never giving up, always and forever love. I, I love the way that kid's Bible puts it. He's not going to stop. He loves you too much. Well, you don't understand where I'm at right now. You don't understand the things I've been doing lately. I haven't been honoring God with my life. He still loves you. He, he, he has not started loving you any less based on your performance. And I'm so glad it's not based on my performance. Because for 20 years of my life, I grew up in a faith tradition that pretty much taught me that. It was like, you are, God's love for you is directly proportional to your performance. And if your performance stinks, then you owe God a lot and you better get to work. And there's a system to pay him back. And so I was trapped in that system for two decades. And it was so freeing when I came to discover the true gospel that it's, well, no, it's, it's by grace through faith that you've been saved. Not, not of works. Ain't nothing you've done, buddy. Uh-uh. The performance was Jesus Christ on the cross. Amen? It was what he did. He said, to Telestai, it is finished. And so it's what he has done that we trust in. And so God is holy good. He's loving. He's faithful. But also what he's done. Friends, let us thank God for what he's done. What he's done in your life, yes, but what he's done in creation, even though we fell, he redeemed the world. He never gave up on his people. And now his church is the main vehicle to take this good news into the world that there is a God of salvation that is still saving. Friends, this is like the fourth or fifth week in our church's history where someone has come to Christ, been baptized, come to Christ and been baptized, come to Christ and been baptized. It's a pattern and God's doing it. He's saving, friends. Never lose sight. God is saving. I'm fully convinced that God's leading someone in this room tonight to really think deeply about your relationship with him. We're going to get into that relationship thing in a second. And in fact, let's go ahead and go there now so I can keep this thing moving. <laughs> so I get caught, because I, I, I could just preach number one the whole night, but, uh, and I'm already about six minutes into it, so we're going to move on. Number two, here we go. So this is the second component of worship. And this is, I could say with each of these, this is the most important one. Like, I'm so tempted to, because it's just so important. We cannot miss this. God is calling us to seek the face of God through a real relationship. And I'll speak about my testimony for a second. This is what I didn't have for 20 years of my life. I had a relationship with an institution called the church. I had a relationship with some rules. I had a relationship, and these weren't bad things. I'm not, I'm not saying the church is bad, that, that God's law and commandments are bad. No, of course, they're good. He's good. And so, but I had, I didn't have a relationship with him. And I want to ask you that question tonight. I want to kind of 
I want to kind of drop that in just as a cutting question. Can, could you honestly say tonight that you have a real, authentic relationship with God? Just like you would say, maybe you would say something like this. I talk to God like he's my friend. Is he more than that? Absolutely. He's our Lord. He's our Savior. He's King, worthy of worship. Okay, he's not merely a friend. But when we say Jesus is my friend, what we mean is that, I mean, you guys know he called the disciples friends, right? And so there, there is this friendship component to it. It's deeper than brotherhood or sisterhood. It's just this, it's the deepest friendship you could imagine. And so I want to ask you, do you, can you say you have a real relationship with God? Let's look at 1 Chronicles 16. Let's go back to verses 10 and 11. And here's what God's word says. Boast in his holy name. Did you know we could boast? The Bible says we can. Just depends on what you're boasting in. And we don't boast in ourselves. We don't boast in, in this or that. We boast in his, there's that holy theme again, his holy name. We talk about God's goodness. We say things like, Justin, man, God is so good. Let me tell you what he did this week. Let me, let me brag on Jesus for a second. And let me tell you what he's done. And so let's do that to each other in our community groups, in our church. Let's worship him in that way. That's part of our worship. We boast in his holy name. And then we see, let the hearts of those who, what's that word? Seek the Lord rejoice. Seek the Lord and his strength. Seek his face. When? Always. Let's look briefly at Hebrews 11.6. This is going to be a familiar verse. I'm sure many of you who grew up in church have read this before. Now, without faith, it's impossible to please God, since the one who draws near to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who seek him. So we're seeking after God. So what are we talking about here? Well, there was this game growing up, and I'm about to trigger some folks in here, and I apologize in advance because some of you have been scarred. And I just want to let you know, this is a safe place to talk about this particular trauma that maybe some of you have lived through. Let's put this on the screen. Some of you have played this game. This game is called Monopoly, all right? And families were divided over this, okay? I mean, like, I mean, just, you know, friendships shattered. Um, what's the deal with Monopoly? Well, it takes forever, first of all. I, I watched the 20-minute YouTube video, like, picking apart, like, what's so terrible about Monopoly and why nobody likes it, but that's not what I'm here to do tonight. I am here to say... The basics of Monopoly are this. You roll the dice, you get the number you get, you move your, your piece, whether you got the shoe or the dog, or I don't know what you're, you know, the thimble thing. I don't know who, who actually picked the thimble. Anybody? Anybody? Awesome. Awesome. Way to go, Miss Joe. We'll save the thimble for you. Yeah, we'll save it for you. You move your piece eight, eight turns, and you get what you get. Hopefully it's not luxury tax. Hopefully, hopefully it's chance or community chest. Hopefully you don't go to jail. You know, it's just you roll the dice, you move the piece, you get what you get, and you just kind of move on. Like, like you really don't have a whole lot. Of, like there's not really a lot of intentionality with Monopoly. Okay, nobody's really good at Monopoly. I'm sorry if you thought you were good at Monopoly. <laughs> there's no skill. It's like it really is chance and just, okay, here it is. I guess I'll buy it. I don't know. Then there's this other game. We play it at our house all the time. How many of you guys have this game? Anybody? It's called Spot It. Now, Spot It's really cool because what happens with Spot It, you open this can of fun up, and you get one of these. Now, you've got your piece. I'll hand you this piece. There you go. A little souvenir for tonight. You got your piece, and we, we've got a piece here that we're going to, you know, here, here, Kavai. There you go. And Kavai's got one, too. And then we've got this piece here in the middle. And now what I'll tell you about 
Spada is that you've got a match on this card, and, and you've got a match on this card. Something on your card matches something on this one. Everybody's got a match. You found it. Which one, which one was it? The eye. Good stuff. Good stuff. I love it. All right, so in Spot It, Spot It's completely different from Monopoly. Because in Spot It, you have to seek earnestly. Monopoly, you're not seeking earnestly. You're just going through the drudgery of five and a half hours of family arguing and just, you know, broken relationships and all the, all the destruction that that Monopoly guy has caused. No, but spot it so different. You're urgently seeking. You're like, I got to find my match. I got to. I mean, it's a, it's a speedy game. It's, 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 kind of, it's kind of crazy sometimes, but it's a lot of fun. And here's what I'm getting at. Here's what I'm getting at. Let us come to the word of God and let us come to worship. We sing the lyrics on the screen and different things like that. Let us come to worship in the word with that same thought. God, what's the match? You've got something for me tonight. Did you come tonight expecting anything of the Lord? I'm just asking. Did you come tonight thinking God has a word for me tonight? Can I promise you something? He does. If you'll listen with ears that hear, like Jesus said. If you've got ears that want to hear, he will speak to you. And I know it's hard, man. I know. Like, I listen to 35-minute sermons just like you do and zone out here, but then I'm like, back, all right, all right, back on track. I start thinking about pizza again. I'm over here. Like, I get it. We all do it, all right? There's zero offense with that. We're all human. But lean in to what God has for you. And what's one possible thing that he might be saying to you tonight is just so clear? Seek my face. Seek my face. Just like you would in a spot it game. You're looking so desperately for that. He's got a match for you tonight. He's got a word for you tonight. Look intently. What does Jeremiah 29 say? This simple verse, one of the easiest verses to memorize. I would highly encourage you to memorize this verse. You will seek me. This is God talking. You will seek me and find me when you search for me or seek me with all your heart. What's that called? It's called a promise, friends. God promises. You come to him with all your heart. Bless the Lord, O oh my soul, and all that is within me. God, help me discover you. And if you show up with that kind of, that kind of heart, you will find him. So my encouragement to you is seek God with all of your heart. May we be a church that seeks God with all of our heart. When we say worship, that's what we're talking about. We're not just talking about mere attendance. We're talking about engagement. Engage in worship. Don't turn this into Christian karaoke, man. When we start doing the music, like lean into those lyrics. They're all bait. We don't pick a single song that we do on Sundays. I know Garrett's heart. I know our worship team's heart and our leadership here at Anchor Church. We only sing songs that are based on the word of God. And it's bad doctrine and we don't sing it. And we think about that kind of stuff. Because music and worship, it's, it's theology in our pockets and in our hearts. It puts the truth of God on our lips. And we always ask this question when we think about what we're going to sing or, or what we're going to learn about, and what we're, we're going to preach. What truth do we want to put on people's lips this week? Not in a manipulative kind of way, but just in a teaching kind of way, in a, in a discipleship kind of way. Let's get on to the third component tonight, the third one. And this one's going to be very intuitive. You're going to be like, Really, dude? <laughs> all right, but here we go. The third one is praise the Lord in all moments of our life. Because here's the truth, friends. Let me just break it down, make it real simple. Our worship is not based on our circumstances. Because guess what? The circumstances will let you down. The storms will come. 
And many of us are in one right now because we live in a broken world. And we go through trials and pain and tragedy, experience loss, people let us down, abandon us, hurt us. Sometimes we're the ones. We mess up, right? Everybody, everybody in here human, right? Mess up, hurt people's feelings sometimes. Have to own up, have to kind of eat crow for some stuff sometimes. Yeah, it happens. But we praise God through that. And that's what's so amazing about people like David in Scripture is that he never let, like David went through lots of ups and downs just like we do, but the number one thing we learned about him, he was a man after God's own heart. He stayed that way. Yeah, he was, like David made some really dumb decisions sometimes, but then other times he was just on fire and he was dancing around, right around 1 Chronicles 16 when they're bringing the ark back into Jerusalem. And he's like, I just gotta have the presence of God. I've just, like, if we don't have anything else, like before we even do this temple thing that I hope I get to build, like we gotta have God's presence here. Let me ask you a question, Anchor Church. Do we wanna be the kind of church where the presence of God is, the presence of God is with us the whole entire way? Do, do we really want that? I love it. I love, I, I love to hear that. We've got to be resolved on that together. We praise the Lord continually. Psalm 34, 1 puts it like this. I will bless the Lord when? At all times. His praise will always be upon my lips. So we put worship music on the radio. So we put it on in the house. So we get in the word during our lunch break. We find those minute retreats. We call them minute retreats around our house. It's, it's that time from, it's that dead space from like your car to the entrance of Walmart where you can pray, where you, where you can even pray something crazy like this. God, please, please help me cross paths with someone that needs to know about your love. And you pray for that opportunity to not be obnoxious to someone, but to, but to, but to genuinely be available for God to use you in the checkout aisle while you're picking up a, a gallon of milk that's way inflated in price. And you're all depressed about paying, you know, $4 for a gallon of milk. But then Jesus shows up in those places, does he not? I prayed with people in the ramen section. I prayed with people looking for, I mean, all, all over the place, produce, you name it. Because if you're available, God will send people to you. He will. He will he, God, God will not snooze on his end of the deal, I promise you. If, if you pray and ask him, God, send someone to me today that I can encourage. And friends, you don't have to be Shakespeare. You don't have to be Billy Graham. You don't have to be anybody but you because God's already got those people. He needs, he needs you to be you. And so we bless the Lord at all times. His praise will always be on our lips. So, we, so we're on the go. We're on the move. Philippians 4 says rejoice in the Lord always. So we need to remind our circumstances. And here's my encouragement to you tonight before we move to number four. We need to actually preach to our circumstances sometimes. As a church, like individually commit. I'm gonna preach to my circumstances and remind them of who my God is. And my God is not my circumstances, how good things are going, how bad things are going. No, my God is, is, is continually good, continually holy, continually amazing. And his character and his actions deeply affect me on a daily basis. And yeah, it's hard. Yeah, it's tough. Friends, he's faithful. His faithful love endures forever. So may our worship be based on who God is and what he's done and nothing else, based on his integrity. We can praise him in our circumstances, praise him, even when we can't make sense of why things happen. That trips us up sometimes, doesn't it? Why, God? Why? 
You know who else asked that? David. Go to Psalm 13. Why have you forgotten about me, God? These are the words of David. He felt forgotten. Anybody else, anybody ever feel forgotten about God? Something, something happens, you feel like, I guess God just skipped over me today. But he hasn't, friend. David puts it like this, yet I will still praise him. So what circumstance this week do you need to preach to and say, yet I will still praise him? I will not neglect to worship him. Next, we serve God. This is a huge part of Anchor Church. We serve God without holding back. So let's commit to that tonight. We serve God without holding back. Just a few verses here. 1 Samuel chapter 12, verse 24. Amazing verse that reminds us that we should only fear the Lord and serve him faithfully with all our hearts. With all your heart. Consider what great things he has done for you. We've been here already, right? Each of these five components tonight, they're concentric. They overlap. But what's this fear of the Lord? This fear of the Lord is deeper than mere respect. It's deeper than uh, mere admiration. It is a deep sense that, that God is so unique in his character and in who he is. It's this thought of, God, I want to be like you, but I realize that I, I am so unlike you because you're perfectly faithful and I let people down all the time. You are perfect in your moral excellence and I just can't seem to get it together. But God does, doesn't just leave us in that. He changes us. We lean into that. We say, God, I, I, I want to serve I want to serve you. I want to fear you, uh, uh, not in a, in a phobia kind of way, not in a, like we're scared of God, we're going to run and hide, but in a worship way. So the Bible puts this fear word, this reverential fear in worship language. The Bible also says all over the place, serving the Lord is relating to worship. John 12, 26 puts it like this. This is Jesus talking. Now we'll give a New Testament example. John 12, 26, if anyone serves me, anyone, who's anyone? Anyone, if anyone serves me, he must follow me. And where I am, there my servant will be also. If anyone serves me, the Father will honor him. This church exists to serve Jesus. It's a worship service right now. We have a worship service every week now, 5 p.m. Hope you'll come back and join us. But it's not a service to us. And we love you, but it's not ultimately a service to you. I know that sounds kind of mean, but hear what I'm saying. It's about him. It's all about him. And so what we do when we come to this place is we, is we lay down our lives at the foot of the cross just all over again. Yes, we've done that in following Jesus. If you're a Christian, you've already done that. But we, we come to him and we just say, God, it's all about you. It's all about you. Help me just continue to strip myself of, of, of selfishness. And, and pride. These, these are things I'm praying, like right now. I'm not, I'm not just saying like, this is good for y'all. And I, no, no, no. Like, like, I need, like I need this message before anybody in this room does. There's still a lot of selfishness and pride in me that, that God's pruning those dead branches off of Brandon. He's changing my life through what he's doing in this here and now. In Romans 12, 1, this, I, I could not think of a better verse for this aspect of worship. We gotta, we gotta, we got to take this to heart, church. Here we go. Therefore, brothers and sisters, church, 
in view of the mercies of God, all the stuff he's done for us, right? His compassion, his love for us in Jesus Christ and sending him to die on the cross. I urge you to present your bodies as a what? A living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true worship. So you want to know what true worship is? It's being a living sacrifice. Because in the Old Testament, they'd bring these animals and they'd kill them. Those would be dead sacrifices. And they'd sprinkle the blood here and give it to the priest. They had a whole system that God gave them. And the system was good. But the, the whole point of the left side of your Bible, the law, was to show us that we cannot do it on our own. That we need Jesus that he's got to come and be our high priest, that he's got to come and be the perfect sacrifice. And then when we talk about worshiping God, our true worship is being a living representation of what Jesus has done. And so when we say we come to the end of ourself, when we say we're going to give it all away, we're just going to be generous with our, with, our, with our time, our talent, our treasure, with our homes, we're going to be generous in every way conceivable, that that's what worship looks like. And so, yeah, we talk a lot about singing here because we love to worship God that way. We really value the, like the corporate gathering of God's people and guests and friends and those who are checking things out to come together and to look upon these words of what God has done and then sing together. We, we value that, but it goes beyond that. It goes into action. We cannot just worship in, in words only. First John says that really clearly, right? Chapter 3 is like, let us not love in just, in just words, but let us love in deed as well. Let us go out and show this world, show Columbia County, show the CSRA what Jesus is like. You have the opportunity to do that this week. Someone's going to come into contact with you, and you will show them what God is like by the way that you treat them, by the way you talk to them, by the way you pray for them, offer to pray for them. I very rarely had someone say no. Just start praying for people. Hey, hey, is there something I could be praying for you for today? Is there something I could ask God on your behalf? And watch what God does. Just be available. Serve him wholeheartedly. Let's be living sacrifices, Anchor Church. The last one, trust. We're gonna end here. Trust, let's write this down. Oh, and this one, this one is so important. Trust the Lord as your rock and refuge. And this whole last song we're singing tonight is, is geared up with this message right here. Because if we miss the trust component, and this is probably the hardest one, isn't it? Because what does trust mean? Like if we're gonna put our faith in Jesus as our, as our rock and our refuge, that means I gotta relinquish control. That means I can't hold on anymore. So we love some control, don't we? I know I do. I like to have control, but we figure out pretty quick that we don't have as much control as we think we do, but we fight for it. But friends, when you relinquish that control to God and you trust him as your rock and your refuge, let's look at Psalm 18. Let's just read this verse. This is David writing, and he says these words. I, I, try to, I, I usually start out my prayers with this every day. Ever since I read this verse when I became a Christian, it just stuck with me. One of the easiest Bible verses to memorize, Psalm 18.1. I love you, Lord, my strength. It acknowledges right from the outset, God, I love you, and I can't do this on my own. I mean, it wasn't like seven hours ago that I wasn't in tears over a moment in my day where I realized, God, I cannot do this without you. I'm so imperfect. 
have a deep sense of that right now. Let me ask you a question. When, when was the last time you leaned into that? You said, God, if I don't have you, I have nothing else. I have nothing. And so David says, I love you, O Lord, my strength. The Lord is my rock. And he ain't talking about a pebble. He's not talking about a rock you skip across the lake with your family when you're out camping. He's talking about a rock, a foundation. And Jesus says, if anyone hears these words of mine, we preached this a few weeks ago, right? Into the Sermon on the Mount. If anyone hears these words of mine and builds their life upon the, and acts on them, actually, actually does what the word of God says, not perfectly, but if you aim to do what Jesus has said, you build your life upon a rock, a firm foundation, that no matter what comes your way, that your house will stand, that your life will be anchored in Jesus. But let me ask you a question tonight. Who is really your anchor? I'm not talking about what's on your Facebook profile. You, you might identify as Christian, but I'm asking in the honesty of this moment, who is your anchor? Oh, I hope and pray it's Jesus. I really do. And I'm gonna ask you tonight to search your heart. Another David prayer. Search my heart, oh God. See if there be any messed up way within me. I'm gonna use a little looser translation there. God, see if there be any hidden way within me, a way that I'm in sin that I just don't understand. Because here's what the Bible tells us. Verse two, let's actually finish verse two. The Lord is my rock, my fortress. Here's what you can embrace. My fortress, my deliverer, my God, my rock where I seek refuge, my shield, the horn or strength of my salvation, my stronghold. Proverbs puts it like this. God is like a strong tower. The righteous man runs into it and is safe. If your heart's anchored in Jesus, you are safe. You are safe. But look at the book of Acts. That, that, that doesn't look safe. They're being put in jail. They're being beat. They're being mocked. Well, I didn't say it was easy. I'm saying your heavenly father's got your hand. Because you know what my kids know when I reach out and grab their hand? When they're scared, they know they're safe. They know dad's got it. Dad's going to handle my business. Friends, if you reach out in your heart, grab a hold of the feet of Jesus, call him Lord. That means he's your boss, your king, and you call him your savior. You might pray something like this tonight. You might say, Jesus, I know I'm a sinner. I know I'm messed up. I know I don't have a relationship with you, but I want one. And if you've never prayed a prayer like that before, it's not a script, friends. It's not some hocus pocus script that we say and like we're, you know, as long as you say these exact words, what I'm talking about is a heartfelt prayer to God saying, God, I'm turning from my sin and I'm trusting in you, Jesus, as my rock, my strength, my fortress and my deliverer. Would you call upon the name of the Lord tonight? Maybe again, maybe you've been following Jesus for some time and you just need to re-embrace that. Maybe your faith has grown cold and you need a revival. Does anybody need a revival tonight in their heart? Do you need to come back to the Lord and say, Lord, I know it. I know what this guy's talking about. I know what your word says, but I just haven't been living it out and I want to. I want to re-embrace it. But maybe you'd be honest like me, like the first time that I... 
maybe you would be honest like me. When I came to the end of myself and I knelt down on a dirty gymnasium floor on an air mattress, not in a worship service, not in a devotion, just in an honest moment. I said, Jesus, you can have my life. You can have my heart. Maybe that's what you need to do tonight. I don't know. That's your choice. But I would urge you to give your life to Jesus Christ tonight because I can tell you one thing. He will never let you down. He's a faithful God. Anybody testify to that tonight? That he's been faithful with your life? Because what we're about to sing, we're about to stand up in a second and sing, all my life you've been faithful. All my life you've been so, so good. And with every breath that I am able, I will sing the goodness of God. And God wants you to be able to sing those words with confidence in who he is and what he's done for you. Can we pray tonight? Jesus, we love you. You're doing something special, Lord. I know it. We call it extraordinary. There ain't nothing ordinary about the things that you're doing right now, God. You're moving and working. We just love being a part of what you're doing. God, I pray over every life in this room. I so desperately want every heart in this room to be surrendered to you. Not for any personal gain, Lord. But because, Lord, I know that you made each of us to be in relationship with you, and I just want everyone in this room to be reconciled with you, to have zero questions about where they would spend eternity, because, God, you remind us that you sent your son from heaven to die on that cross for us, to pay for all our sins, and if we would repent and believe that we can have everlasting life and spend forever with you in eternity and see you one day face to face and live with that hopeful expectation of your return to this earth to sort things out, to judge the living and the dead. And we know your kingdom will have no end, Lord. I pray for every heart and life in the room that everyone would respond as you were leading tonight. Holy Spirit, lead hearts to the throne of Jesus tonight. Lord, lead sinners to repentance, God. We have all sinned before you. We've all fallen short, but God, help us come and turn from our sin and trust in you. And Lord, if anyone does that tonight, either during this time or during the next song or during any part of tonight, Lord, help them tell someone to let someone know that they have made the decision to follow Jesus. Lord, we pray for a revival, for a stirring of your spirit. We know we don't have to be in a church building to receive revival, but Lord, we are gathered here to ask you to do something that we could never take credit for. Let Anchorage Church not just be a church, but let us be a movement, a movement of Jesus seekers, preaching the one true gospel of Jesus Christ. And Lord, may we never be the same because we have engaged in your mission. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Thanks for listening. For more information, visit anchorchurchcsra.com or follow us on social media at Anchor Church CSRA.